Welcome to the UP Tech Talk podcast, coming to you from the new Academic Multimedia Studio on the University of Portland campus, produced by Academic Technology Services, with your hosts, Maria Erb and Sam Williams. Thank you for joining us for the UP Tech Talk podcast. Today, we welcome Dr. Jeanette Lovejoy, Assistant Professor with Communication Studies. Thank you, Dr. Lovejoy, for joining us. Great to be here. Jeanette, we're really glad that, you're, that you made it over to the studio today. I know that we're hard to find, but we're really happy when people actually find us. Um, we wanted to talk to you today about the Academic Technology Roundtable. You're one of the original members. Can you tell us about what your first experience was like being on the roundtable? So this is my fourth year being involved with the Academic Technology Roundtable. And every year my role has evolved or changed just a little bit. The first year there was a call for um, innovative faculty looking to implement pieces of technology into their pedagogical rhythm and our curricula that were new and different uh, ways to think about uh, enhancing learning and learning objectives in the classroom. And when that call came out, uh, there are ways that I was playing with technology already in the classroom without really knowing why I was playing with it. But uh, when the call came out, it gave me a chance to think about how to solidify it and give their more give some metrics rather to how effective it was or wasn't. So a colleague and I, Dr. Vale Fletcher, teamed up to look at how online discourse really uh, shaped student learning in a, in, a, in a class. And what I mean by that is we were curious to see how well interactions on social media, outside of class time, and also on blogs made students want to learn more or made them more involved or made them more active uh, as class contributors. So the first two years, we actually did a project looking at how, when those um, tenets were woven into the class curricula, how well they were received. Um, and we measured them through some survey and then self-report as well as some focus group feedback. And then from there, I looked at uh, this idea of trying to do collaboration uh, outside of class time, but then present in class time. And I looked at this idea that students often have to do group presentations, and they always bemoan having to meet in person, and the athletes that travel, and the other students involved in choir, or whatever it is, a host of extracurricular uh, activities that students are involved in, as well as class schedules. And so the students... Um, do a lot of group work in higher education, which is really well modeled off of the practical world. And more and more, we're in collaborative learning environments and also collaborative practical environments. Um, but I thought about this idea of how do you uh, facilitate collaboration that doesn't involve person-to-person communication. And students often use social media. Um, but then I started using and the campus now is using more of this platform of Sally. Students being able to meet, quote unquote, in the virtual sphere and hash through a group project without ever seeing each other face to face, come together in the class and have a presentation based off of how they've outlined it and delegated responsibilities. Um, and well, I also. And I, I just want to inject, and you had said something back in the day about the fact that you would. You would dock them points, possibly, or you would it would you would penalize them if they right. talked about the stuff outside of class. Absolutely, they failed if they talked about it outside of class. So the idea was that if you know one was in Tokyo and one was in New York and the other was in LA, they should be able to meet and fly in, in San Fran and have a group presentation together to a CEO of a company. Um, and you know my subject matter lends itself nicely to that. So that was kind of project number two, and there's many more nuances, but those are the basic pieces of it. And then um, this last piece is is uh, both philosophical in nature, but then also uh, tangible and content, and and I see myself as as someone who is not willing to, or excuse me, who is 
willing to uh, implement new strategies in my pedagogical world that I actually am not sure are going to work. Um, but that's where I like to implement them. So this piece now, this current year, I'm a sustainability fellow for the Academic Technology Roundtable. And I would like to think that is uh, both a supportive role for other academic professors and staff who are incorporating and taking risks uh, with technology in their classroom, but then also someone who will push the boundaries about what it is we're thinking about and the different ways that we can incorporate um, technology in well, we're definitely going to get into some of the new stuff that you're working on because you always uh, – one thing I've enjoyed about both yourself and your colleague um, is that you're full of energy and ideas and we you're always coming to us with something, hey, can we try? And I've, that's you know something huge. Then That's what we thrive on in academic mm-hmm. technology services. And of the past ATR, um, is there any like – words of wisdom or anything that you really pulled from some of those past projects that have really carried with you? Yeah, that's a great question, Sam. I I think the better way for me to explain my experience with ATR is is particular to UP campus, but also particular to higher education. It's really hard to feel like you have room for innovation when you have pressure for research, for publication, teaching, and then, you know, countless committees that you willingly serve on. Um, And uh, the, so the kind of the scope or the amount of energy you have is is finite uh, to be a little bit crazy. So I think the thing I've learned the most is that you don't have to kind of be shocking to be innovative, right? That there are really, really small ways that you can turn a paradigm or that you can think about one project to change within your curricula that can make a difference and can be very innovative. And that's helpful because then it doesn't feel like you have to entirely flip your class or um, you know, redo your entire syllabus, but you actually, you know, you have to check yourself at the door and think, what are the accessible ways that I can change um, to kind of start the, the snowball effect? Yeah. I think that's a, a hugely important point. And we've seen that bear out with the projects that Dr. Gates and Dr. Francisco have been doing in sociology, where they've just incorporated these storytelling projects. And we've seen some incredible things happen because of that. Mm-hmm. So it's a really good point. Mm-hmm. And it's always that, you know, whenever I talk to faculty, especially around the flipped classroom, you mentioned it a second ago, and um, it's like you don't, like you said, you don't have to flip the whole thing. You can, I always tell people, find that one thing right. each term that you have to repeat over and over and over again and create a digital asset for it. Mm-hmm. You know, start small, get comfortable with the concept, and then move forward. Mm-hmm. And um, So um, Dr. Fletcher Mm-hmm. Um, your your counterpart that you worked closely with with over the two years, um, the two of you also did a presentation at the uh, conference mm-hmm. that I helped um, organize um, not too long ago, and the two of you work off each other so well, um, and so the the energy that you bring to the group is is amazing. Um, so, how is it working in a you know, in a collaborative project, because a lot of yeah. people are doing this idea of technology integration solely in their classroom, one-on-one. It, was it better to work with somebody? Yeah. or? I, I think I have two two answers to that, Sam, and that's another good question. Um, 
I do believe higher education is moving toward a collaborative model. Uh, this idea of even majors as silos, I think, will will be changing. And this whole buzzword of integrative learning or cross-discipline learning is is really strong, and rightfully so. Right? We don't think siloed, and we are very affected by you know the spheres in which we operate. And so uh, there are two main reasons collaboration is helpful. Is one, it gets you to see even if it's from within the same discipline, you often see problems right from a different lens, and they challenge your ideas. Um, I I have a lot of ideas. I love to have those ideas have to be rethink, rethought, excuse me. Um, so the first thing I think that even within your department, I think you should encourage each other to do more projects together. Now that's dicey. It also takes more time to collaborate on things. You can't just, you know, do your work at midnight and then turn it in when you think it's done. Is that you've got to give yourself timelines and email it back and forth. Um, so adding that new lens in is, is helpful, but then also, of course, accountability to a colleague you respect and enjoy working with, and you've got to up your game. Um, so I often think that that is a really good piece of collaboration um, as well. And then, of course, you can always play good cop, bad cop, and that helps. And uh, I'll let you guess which one I was in. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so. we, I definitely experienced good, the, good, the, good. The, the two personalities <laughs> at the conference um, when you presented. Well, what I loved about the conference, I know it's not on our topic today, but um, what I loved about that conference is that you guys talked about unplugging from technology. Mm, yeah. Yeah, I, actually, I'd love to talk about that, not necessarily unplugged, but, you know, with pressure to be innovative and to use technology, uh, the first thing I always say is why? Like, yeah. Tell me why you want to incorporate that into your syllabus. Is There's got to be good practical and theoretical rationale behind it. It's it's just like in news right now, everyone thinks you have to go do video. Everybody wants to go do a video story. Well, why? Does that story lend itself to video qualities? Let's talk about what makes a good video story versus a good podcast versus a good print story versus a good uh, magazine photo expose. Um, so, yeah, asking yourself why you're incorporating the technology and being able to make a really sound, succinct, clear argument for that is important, both for, uh, obviously, department chairs and administrators, um, but then also for your students. Uh, I tell my students every time, if you question the functionality of this project, ask me. Like, let's hammer through it together. Let's let's figure out, basically, why it is I'm asking you to do this, um, and uh, and that will that will move us all forward, I suppose. Definitely. So what's next for you with the ATR? Ooh, what's next? So I have <laughs> I I have um I have this idea that we have we have actually a lot of innovators here on the University of Portland campus. We have many people doing interesting projects. I think what lacks for us is a system or a group of uh, both a support system, which I know you guys are instrumental in, but a a way to balance ideas, to kind of have the sandbox of idea generation is also feedback among colleagues that you trust and um, and respect, of course. But I think uh, what's next for me is is there's a way that I think that those ideas should be more visible. And I think the ATR is a really wonderful platform to showcase what's happening as well as showcase what is not working or needs to be happening. Um, having more voices from the Academic Technology Roundtable integrated into um, regular pieces that we read and, and think about from faculty. Um, I think that uh, technological innovation should be something that's perhaps you know encouraged and given some more time for um, among our schedules. And I'm not sure how that happens, but of course that moves us all along. I think it's something parents expect and they ask uh, about on campus visits, and so it's something that we should be illustrating that we're doing uh, to be 21st century, for lack of a, I mean, that's a very superficial way to put it. Um, 
I also would like to see a, a digital sandbox here on campus where a student can come in and play with uh, an Oculus Rift and, and figure out what uh, virtual reality feels like, where somebody can grab a GoPro and go to a basketball game and then upload some of that content, um, where someone can come down and, and grab a pair of Google Glass for one of my multimedia journalism courses and go and ride in a police car for you know a day and be able to report on that and bring it home. Um, we have to have that. I mean, it's just there's, there's no way that we can't have those types of resources, both for faculty and students here on, on the campus. Um, and that doesn't mean that we have to, you know, blow a lot of money and uh, make that the, the, um, the focus, because it's less about the pieces of technology and it's more about what they provide. Yeah, Those definitely. types of stories we can tell um, with them and the transparency, frankly, that, we can ha- that they can augment. Well, we definitely want to see um, more uses of a variety of technology. I was at the Educause conference, and mm. one of the things that came out of there um, was some of the sessions I attended on wearable technology. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't so much about the technology itself. It was around the privacy issues around that right. technology. Or, you know, there's so many conversations about um, what, how that technology impacts our day-to-day lives. Absolutely. And, and so even though we want to get the technology into people's hands, mm-hmm. but then once it's hard to think about it until you've actually experienced the technology. So it's definitely I definitely agree with everything you're saying. And then so just for our listeners, um, the with the Academic Technology Roundtable, we have um, we should have said this a little bit earlier, but um, we have nine projects, mm-hmm. um, one of them being the sustainability project mm-hmm. and yourself and Dr. Fletcher are on that sustainability project. And it's a brand new idea that we had this year, and that really is allowing ATR alumni um, the opportunity to help us grow the ATR and and really reframe it. And I, I thank you so much for all your enthusiasm and ideas. Absolutely. And, and one of those ideas was to have our ATRs um, creating articles mm-hmm. and blogging mm-hmm. and getting that information out there. And I know that the assignments will, will be going out to the ATR um, fellows here shortly. Um, so if the ATR fellows, they should be listening to this. I'm hoping they are. Um, it'll be a part of their site, but we'll see. We'll actually put a little thing in here um, right now, and we'll see how many people get it. But um, get ready to blog ATR. Awesome. Um, so. <laughs> you know, Sam, the other thing that I think would help, you know, in the vein of sustainability and creating this larger campus conversation is, uh, you know, we've talked about having this summit or an invite-only summit, but but really thinking about how, right, our training can keep up with the philosophy of pushing uh, tech technology on campus and so an idea of having a an afternoon or a one day summit and not where we have long 50 minute presentations i mean we do things like a ton of breakout sessions and idea ideation and brainstorming we use sticky notes. Um, we don't have a keynote speaker. Everybody's a keynote speaker. Um, and and flatten that hierarchy and let the ideas rise. And um, and then really hopefully we can have some listening from the administration and then also from uh, the support system here to, to uh, have some confidence to work with those. Yeah, I love that idea. I think that would be great for the campus. I love the everybody is a keynote speaker. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that That's could actually quotable be quotes. that actually could mm-hmm. be like the title of like an overall thing. You know, uh, yeah, here's your summit. Everybody's a keynote yeah, speaker. Yeah, right. I like that. And it, it goes back to what we're trying to do in the classroom, and that's creating those conversations. And mm-hmm. it's interesting you you talk about the flattening of the hierarchy because whenever I'm at a conference, there definitely is a hierarchy mm-hmm. at the conference, and you end up in this passive role in the audience, sitting in the corner. I was just at uh, Assistive Technologies Conference, and it was interesting. At every conference I go to, 
all the educators and all the people sit in the back. Mm -hmm. And it's the first thing that we tell our students not to do. But it, I always find it fascinating. We all gravitate to the back of the room, have our computers in front of us, and are not quite always paying attention. Um, but it's interesting getting kind of flattening that and having everybody participate. Yep. The same thing we're asking our students to do yeah. in the classroom. And you could marry that with, you know, a few breakout sessions that are, you know, from hearing from experts or hearing from people that have done, but but you can marry that with the interactive sessions, which I think are always really beneficial. Definitely. So um, is there anything else about the ATR you would like to share with people during this episode? Um, we'll definitely have you as a follow-up guest because mm -hmm. I think we have some other topics that even came up today mm -hmm. um, that I'd love to talk with you more on. But is there any, like, parting words, maybe words of encouragement for other faculty yeah, that want words wanna... of encouragement. That yeah. would be great. Well, I... First of all, I, I don't claim to know everything, and of course I don't. That's what you're not what you're asking me. Um, <laughs> I think the big idea is that to be thoughtful in academia right now, you have to be thinking about technology, regardless of discipline, um, and you have to be thinking about how technology is influencing or not. Uh, a decision to not allow laptops in class is a decision that involves technology. So even if you're opting out, right, or if you're making that explicit. Um, you know, as much as I would like to say we're all old school and we'll always have textbooks, um, I think that there are really some real numbers and metrics to pay attention to that illustrate that we are moving very quickly into an interactive, integrative learning environment that is, relies heavily on technology. Um, there are a lot of ethical implications of that, um, and UP, with its social justice mission, has to take a look at that um, in particular and think about how they could provide, potentially, for students who don't have access to a smartphone if you're, you know, if you are requiring a type of exercise in class that requires a smartphone. Um, I have one or two students who still don't, who refuse to or don't, can't afford it. So um, I think the, the big idea is to keep questioning uh, and integrating at the same time. You can't question unless you've integrated it. Uh, and my, my, my firm belief and, and, and adage I always live by is to really understand the system. Of course, you have to jump in and then you can think about how you want to change it. Um, so that's a lot of how I approach technology. No, it's great. Jump in with both feet mm -hmm. in your case and just kind of <laughs> experience it as you're falling. Yep. Um, and um, so anybody that's listening, the Academic Technology Roundtable, if you want to learn more about it, you can visit sites.up.edu slash ATR, and that'll get you to the Academic Technology Roundtable site. Um, and then every fall, we um, bring in new Academic Technology Fellows. So if you want to find out more about how you can participate in the Academic Technology Roundtable, you can contact myself, Sam Williams, at W-I-L-L-I-A-S-A at U-P E-D-U. And we thank you so much for coming to the studio today and tracking us down on the University of Portland campus. And thank you so much. Thank you, Sam. Thank you, Maria. Thanks, Jeanette. Thank you for joining us for another episode of the UP Tech Talk podcast. Just a reminder that we post a new podcast every Friday morning, and you can find us at techtalk.up.edu.